You are listening to the Techie Leadership Show with Bogdan and Andrei. Hello and welcome to the Techie Leadership Show. Today with me I have Bob Berg. He is a sought-after speaker at company leadership and sales conferences, sharing the platform with everyone from today's business leaders and broadcast personalities to even a former U.S. president. Wow, really, really nice. Bob is the author of, of a number of books on sales, marketing, and influence, with total sales of well over 1 million copies. His book, The Go-Giver, co-authored with John David Mann, itself has sold over close to a million copies, and, and it has been translated into 28 languages. Bob is an advocate, supporter, and defender of the free enterprise system, believing that the amount of money one makes is directly proportional to how many people they serve. He is also an, an unapologetic animal fanatic and is a past member of the board of directors of Furry Friends Adoption, Clinic and Ranch and in his own town of Jupiter, Florida. Hi, Bob. Hi, Andre. Thank you so much for having me with you. It's a pleasure. It's a pleasure. Um, and I cannot wait to get started. But before that, do you want to add anything else about yourself? Uh, really, uh, you know, I don't know how much there is to add other, other than that I began in broadcasting. I graduated into sales uh, and then uh, into sales management, which should have been sales leadership, but I was not a very yeah. good leader. And so oh. we can you know, discuss that. That was something I needed to really learn. Okay. Uh, but, uh, you know, from that point began teaching others to do what I had been doing uh, successfully based on what I had learned from others. Uh, and, you know, I've had a, a, a really fun and fulfilling career uh, as a speaker and an author and so forth. Well, I cannot wait to hear your stories. So let's get to them. So what's the biggest leadership success story that you've witnessed personally or you know about? Well, probably the one that I, I guess impresses me the most okay. is about a, a person by the name of Bob Chapman. Bob is the chair and CEO of a company called Barry Waymiller. They're a very, very large, a huge manufacturing firm. And one of the things I, I like about the fact that it's a success yes. story in terms of leadership is that when you think about it, manufacturing is really about commodities, right? When you think of your yes. manufacturing products, okay, that you would think, okay, that's not something where relationships are going to have a big part. And yet, yes. of course, they do. <laughs> and of course, of course. He tells the story in his uh, book, Everybody Matters. Uh, and I also got a chance to interview him and a, a chance to get to, to know him. Great. Uh, he tells the story that when he first started uh, as a leader in business, he pretty much did it the way most other leaders did. He led with the bottom line in terms of financials. And, okay. uh, and that's kind of how he, he focused. And of course, he had successes and he had failures and it was kind of, of up course. and down and so forth. Well, one day he is at a, a wedding and it's the wedding of the daughter of one of his best friends. Okay. And as he's sitting there in the, the audience, the father of the bride makes a toast for the, to the new husband. Yes. And in this toast, he, he talked about how his daughter is the, you know, the joy of, of her, of his and her mother's life and how they have, nurtured yes. that child 
They have treasured that child. And as we welcome you into the family as our new son, we want you to know just how much we, you're marrying a, a woman who we absolutely treasure, our treasured child. Okay, now Bob heard that and he had an epiphany. And that was oh, this. What's, what's that? He said, well, he said to himself right there, he said, you know, at Barry Waymiller, we have tens of thousands of employees. Yes. And each one of those employees is somebody's treasured son or daughter. Yes. And it's our responsibility to know that and to treat them that way. And from that point, Barry Waymiller, this big conglomerate, this manufacturing company, became a family. And nice. people felt valued because people were valued. And in the time of the recession back in 2008, the financial meltdown, they made some tough, tough decisions in which they really put the interest of their people first. And that was like, you know, that final thing where they saw, yes, they don't just talk about it. This is who they are. And he's a very, very successful leader, a fantastic human being. And to me, that's just one of the most powerful leadership success stories that I've, I've ever come across. And Bob, do you have any idea what he did to go from the traditional old sterile leadership model of on the plant and being turning it, the company, making it feel more like a family? There was a major focus on really understanding the needs, the wants and desires, the goals, the values of those on their team. Okay. And they really led their leadership team in terms of teaching how to lead others and how to lead others. And they would just, you know, is what great leaders do. They look yes. to develop additional leaders. Uh, they had lots of programs for personal development. Uh, they really just became a culture of caring. And there's nothing warm and fuzzy about this, by the way. This is great for the bottom line as well, because you uh -huh. know, I mean, as, a, oh, as an expert on leadership, Andre, you know that that most people they and we've all heard this. You know, they they don't leave their their jobs; they leave their leadership. The boss, the boss, <laughs> right? Um, so, uh, Daniel Pink in his wonderful book Drive: uh, What Motivates Us. And as he was, as he uh, parlayed uh, uh, upon the work of Dr. Uh, Edward Detchy and, um, and I'm trying to think of Dr. Detchy's uh, partner's name, and I'm not thinking of it right now, and I apologize, but they did a very, very famous study showing that really, while, you know, while money certainly is important to someone yes. having a job, that's obviously a, a, a concern, that's not the biggest concern, and it's not the biggest motivator for, for most people. It's, no, it's, it's having a sense of um, uh, it's having a sense of, of acceptance. It's wanting. It's that relationship. They want to feel as though they are part of something, something bigger than themselves. They want to um, they want to be able to develop mastery to not just do a thing, but to know why they're doing this thing and have the opportunity to become expert at this thing. And they want autonomy which is a sense of control oh. over one's actions and destiny. And so, you know, you take all those together and what it says is they want to be in relationship in their Yeah, that's job. true. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, 
it's, it's in a way they're like you go to work eight hours a way and a week a day four hours a week at least it's you're marrying in a way the job you're doing yes. oh absolutely sure sure yeah so it better treat you right and you also have to treat it right and you have to enjoy what you're doing there it's not just the money because I, I, from my own experience uh, you get a bump in salary you get um, like a new position it's great for two weeks maybe a month right after the first paycheck it's like it's old i need more <laughs> that's always the feeling yeah it, it's not that it's not important but it's the yes. just the the baseline you know it's it's you know obviously you're not going to work for free if that's how you make your living or for yes. something less than you feel you work it's just that that's not as you just said that's that's part of it but it's certainly not the determining factor in terms exactly. of, of why someone works okay and considering the success story, I'm really, really looking forward to see what is the biggest leadership failure you had unfortunate experience of witnessing. Well, the biggest business fa uh, leadership failure, and, and let me let me share two of them with you. One was ah, about, even better. You know, well, one was about me, and that is when I went from high-producing salesperson to sales manager. Right, like okay. so many, I was promoted because I was good at a thing, which doesn't mean it was going to translate <laughs> into being a leader. Being good. Yeah. Right. Exactly. I had no training as a leader. I had no competence as a leader. Um, so I messed up big time. I mean, I look back and see all the mistakes I I made, but it wasn't until I began a couple of years later studying leadership by reading books and listening to tape back then it was tapes you know it was out, yeah. um, kind of old, you know this is a while back uh and listening to people and studying leadership that you know i look back on my first job as a manager i'll say manager because i certainly was not a leader yes. i look back on it and i still still cringe but let me tell you another leadership failure that i that okay. i remember. and this is when i was about maybe 17 or 18 years old and I remember a, um, a young girl I was dating at the time, and her father was working at, at a uh, uh, at a plant that was a uh, 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 you know like a they manufactured cameras or something yes. like that, was, you know. And uh, he, you know, so in other words, back then again, uh, you know, this is back in the seventies. There was a lot more command and control, and he yeah. was just a cog. He was just a cog in the the, the big wheel. Uh, and it was a, such a nice guy. And I remember that at one, and I don't remember why it was, but I met, it turned out I met his supervisor somewhere. Yes. And, and the supervisor told me he was a, a manager at the so-and-so, so-and-so plant. And I went, oh, wow, uh, do you know Mr. So-and-so? I, I date his daughter. Uh, and he said, uh, uh, he said, uh, yeah, uh, I do. And I said, yes, I, I believe he works with you then. And then the person looked at me and said, well, he works for me. Oh, my God. Really? And I thought, why did he say that? Say it like that? Now, I, I, yeah, wasn't, exactly. you know, I wasn't thinking in terms of leadership. and you know, I mean, I'm saying as a 17-year-old or whatever I was, yes. I thought, he just, you know, that was like sort of an insult to my girlfriend's father, uh, you know, in exactly. a, girl, like a guy who I had a lot of respect for. And did that really serve for him to clarify that no he didn't work with mr his last name 
but he worked, you know, he was his boss, right? Or so-and-so worked for him. For sure. Yeah. Himself. That's a, an ego thing, obviously. Yes. Right. Uh, and that's a leadership issue. That's a character issue. Um, so, you know, I, I see that. And again, I look back on this. Now, I didn't think about it deeply back then. It was more on a, on a, a you know, just on an intrinsic level. I, yes. I knew it wasn't right what he said. Exactly. He, yeah. But then, of course, once I started leadership and I look back on it, right, then, you know, there was so much, so much wrong. with that in terms of leadership what if instead he had said to me oh yes i've been working with him for you know several years now he's a very very important member of our team what a fantastic guy make sure to tell him hello wow Wow. what a difference (laughs) i would have gone back of course to my girlfriend's father and i would have said hey i met mr so-and-so you you work with him he spoke so highly of you and and so that would have motivated him to have worked yeah, so much sure. harder for that person, you know? And so you think about it, uh, you know, instead I didn't say anything to, to, to my girlfriend's father. I just, I let it go. I just, you know, I didn't want to yes. think of yourself. So, yeah. yeah so I say that's a leadership failure. Yeah, it is. And it's something, it, it just points out that, and it's good like for, for each person when they're stepping up and doing their first manager position or, even if they study leadership or not, to look at them, how, what they think about leadership, what their opinion is. And then if they decide to study, to analyze, like look back on his on their notes on the, how they thought leadership is and see the chasm between what leadership is and what you think you leadership is, especially like from media and movies and what you see in the press. If you have right. a different perception, it's like it's like a little towards the old style. And that is, it's not what functions really, and it's good. And, and with that, Bob, I'm really curious, what is your leadership philosophy? I think the basic leadership philosophy is understanding that great leadership is never about the leader. Great oh. leadership is about those you lead. Great leadership is about the, the value you bring to those you lead, how do you how you touch the lives of those you lead, and how can you bring more value? Like, what would be like the most efficient and effective way of doing it from your point well, of view? Well, remember that value is always in the eyes of the beholder. I mean, value can be defined yes. as relative worth or desirability of a thing, of something to the end user or beholder. So, what is it about this thing? that they find to be of such worth or, or value. And the only way that we can really discover that is to ask and listen. And, yeah. you know, and it's not just a matter of saying what's of value to you, but it's a way of asking questions in such a way that we begin to learn what it is that they need, that they want, that they desire, uh, what is congruent with their value. What problems are they wanting to solve? How does their life become more fulfilled through and how can we add to that? And when we ask ourselves these questions thoughtfully and intelligently uh, and genuinely, uh, authentically, yes. not as a way to manipulate another human being into doing oh no. will, but as a way of building everyone in the process, well, now we've really come a lot uh, closer to earning that person's commitment 
as opposed to trying to lead through some type of compliance. And, you know, one of my great mentors, her name is Dondi Skumachi, who speaks the world over mm -hmm. to companies on leadership and team building and mentorship. And so I mean, she's just brilliant. And I love what she says. When it comes to leadership, Dondi says, compliance will never take you where commitment can go. Ah, that's so yeah. profound. Yeah. Compliance can never take you where commitment can go. Well, it's so true and that's why i i feel like you, you have to get to know your the people you're working with on on a personal level and a professional level because mm -hmm. only by having small conversation and going back treating them like family that's how you discover what they value that's why you know like what your spouse values, what your children values, what your father, your parents value because you spent a lot of time mm -hmm. having small mm -hmm. conversations with them and you have to do to, yeah you have to do the same work uh, for the people in your team to get to know them and to be like to be like a family while you're at work and that that's a goal that i think most businesses not all businesses should strive for yeah well very well said well, thank you thank you very much and you mentioned like you have a mentor and that's really interesting because a lot of people that achieve success or are on their path to success, they get mentored. And do you have some advice on how to get a mentor? Yeah, and you know, I've been lucky because I've had different mentors at different times. It seemed like whenever I really needed a mentor, one seemed to be there. And, and I think ah. one reason probably is because how I was- How do you do that? Well, I think one thing is that I was always looking for how I could somehow benefit them and add value to them as oh. well. And so it, they always knew they were more likely to, you know, to take me seriously. They, they understood the gratitude that I had for them and, and so forth. I think a lot of people make a mistake when looking for a mentor in the way they ask, you know, they'll sort of okay. come, they'll, they'll approach someone who they, you know, they know and admire, but maybe don't really have a, any kind of real relationship with. And they'll just, you know, the first thing they'll say is, hey, would you be my mentor? And ah. it's sort of in a sense, it's, it's almost like asking somebody, hey, would you share 40 years of your experience with me, even though you don't know me at all? Right. You know, <laughs> exactly. It can come across maybe as entitled sounding or, or, you know, just as though you expect that they owe you, you know, to... So I, you know, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't approach it that way, but I would say this, you can approach practically anyone. And if you, if you frame it correctly, the chances are much, much better. For example, saying to someone, um, you know, I don't know if this is something you would have the time and or even inclination to do. And, and I certainly would understand if not, yeah. uh, I'm wondering if I could maybe ask you one or two very specific questions. Uh -huh. yeah, that's different because here's what you've done. First of all, you've come at, at it in a way that's humble. You've yes. come at it in a way that you don't feel entitled. You're letting this exactly. person, you're giving this person an out. You're saying if it's just, you know, you don't have the time or it's not something you want, totally understand. But here's what you're also doing, which is key. You're asking 
if you can ask a couple of very specific, specific. questions. Now, this says to that person that this person's not going to waste my time with some unorganized, just you know, <laughs> yes. brain type of thing, and um, but that they have an agenda. And in this case, I mean agenda in a positive way. Yes. Um, and so now, of course, research that person, which is easy to do. If someone's worthy of being your mentor, the chances are they probably have a lot written up on them. You know, either exactly. written up or on their website. I don't mean worthy, but the chances are someone who you seek out probably these days would have, you know, a lot of information because you don't want to ask them anything, the answer to which is already, you know, yeah, something that's so true. that could have been very easily discovered. Okay, because that's a waste of their time. And they'll also take you less seriously that way. So you want to only ask those questions that cannot be discovered through other means. Uh, make sure during that conversation you don't uh, take up too much time, that you make it you know, yes. short and sweet. You thank them profusely at the end of the conversation, letting them know that you look forward to applying their information and that you'll keep in touch and, and let them know how, you know, to let them know how things are going that very day. In fact, I would, as soon as this conversation, that conversation with that person ends, I would write a handwritten personalized thank you note, just a short and sweet one. Thank you so much. Once oh, again, gosh. for taking time out of your busy schedule, your advice was absolutely priceless and I look forward to applying it right away. Uh, I'll keep, if it's okay, I'll keep in touch from time to time and let you know how things are progressing. Best regards, yeah. put it in number 10 envelope, hand write it, hand stamp it, not a meter stamp, hand stamp it, send it out. Now, what I would also do, which is a nice touch, is I would um, make a small donation. Again, it doesn't have to be anything big, yes. but a small donation to their favorite charitable cause, which again, you uh -huh. can probably write on their website or or in an article about them or some story small and make it in their name because they'll be notified that you did that. Now you're not doing it to kiss up to them or, you know, no, you're doing it just so that they understand how seriously you take this, how much you appreciate them. And that even though you certainly can't provide the kind of value to them as they provided to you that you want to. Right, that year. Exactly. Now, you follow up maybe in a few weeks, uh, let them know how things are going. Maybe you have another question or however. And if a mentor protege relationship is supposed to develop, it will, but it's a relationship. It happens exactly. over time, right? Or it might be just a one shot that I would maybe one or two times you talk to them and that's it. And it might be someone else who ends up, who knows? Do it this way, though, and you increase the odds, you increase the chances of engagement and of developing that relationship. You just need to do it without attachment to a specific result. Yes. If they're supposed to be your ongoing mentor, they will be. If not, they won't be. That's okay. Life doesn't begin or end with either. But, but you can pretty much utilize that same principle in terms of approaching anyone for, for advice. Yeah, and that, the plan is so well thought out. I like it. I like it a lot. Thank you. Thank you for sharing it. My pleasure. Uh, and since we're talking like people getting mentorship and growing, what would be your top three leadership tips you have for aspiring leaders? For aspiring leaders? Yes. I would say to always keep in mind that um, trust is going to be 
your most valuable, for lack of a better word, commodity. <laughs> yes, okay. that's true. Uh, and that's really so much about character. And, and, and that's how people, people are going to follow you. Well, because they, you know, because you have a, a certain goal that aligns with theirs, let's say, or for whatever reason, there's, you know, there's a, we're, uh, and I'm just using that as a baseline. Yes. Obviously, if you have a, 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 a certain leadership goal to accomplish this, and that's not something they're interested in, well, it doesn't matter how high your character, they, they may respect you, but they're not yeah. going to follow. Okay. But I'm assuming first that those are in alignment. Okay. They're going to follow you because of your character. And so that's the first, so to, you know, to, to have that kind of respect for character, have good character. And how do you build good character? (laughs) Well, you hope that it's, it it is already part of you, but if not, then you make that your assignment. Uh Okay. You, you determine what, and you can ask other people, other leaders, you can read books on leadership and determine what is it about leaders that both are and communicate high character. Uh, okay. Exactly. Um, I think another you know, part of advice is, again, make sure that, that you have moral authority, not positional authority, right? Positional yes. leadership is about the title. But, uh, you know, people don't follow titles. They may, exactly. they may begrudgingly have to do <laughs> yes. certain things because of your title, of course, to not get fired or to, you know, what have you. But they'll do the minimum amount. Yeah, <laughs> right? If not completely, right? Yes. No, they will follow character. They will follow that person who, who doesn't make it about themselves, who... who who has, and when we say moral authority, uh, we're, we're talking about just, you know, again, from character, from, from being that right kind of person. Uh, mm-hmm. They lead, they follow you because you're that person who deserves their following. So, so again, it's not based on title. It's based on, well, again, it goes back to character. But this comes to that, that third part, and that is understand, again, that it's not about you. It's about them. Exactly. And I think that when, when a, an, an aspiring leader can keep those in mind, then they're really nine steps ahead of the game in a 10-step uh, game. Exactly. And trust, it takes a long time to build, and you can wreck it in yeah, one day or in, a, in a second. Absolutely. So you yeah. always have to don't get mad or anything have self-control. It's, I find it's, it's really important Absolutely. to be able to be in self-control. Well, you've got to be in control of yourself. You've got to be able to master your emotions. And you've got to be able to deal in truths. And exactly. you know, as a leader, they're depending upon you not just to deal in truths, not just to understand the truths, but to then lead through any uncomfortable situations by keeping your, your self-control, by staying in, in, in charge of yourself first. Exactly. And how can you help them grow if you cannot keep yourself in self-control and show them the path of how to achieve something like that? Huh, that's really, really good. And Bob, if people want to find out more about you, where should they go? Uh, Best place is just uh, Berg, and that's B-U-R-G dot com. And pretty much everything's there, so just visit the site and you can check out the books, get a free chapter, uh, you can check out the blog, which is a video blog. And yeah. There's lots of lots of things, resources there. 
Thank you for just reminding me. I just, I forgot to ask you the question that I love the most. Oh, what's is that? what's the what is the book that had the most profound impact on you? The book? Yes. Well, when it comes to leadership, I you know, I would say that if it's not Bob Chapman's Everybody Matters, then it it would have to be Simon Sinek's book, um, Leaders Eat Last. Leaders Eat Last. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Both so, again, yeah. so again, Bob, your they should go to your website, which is Berg, B U R G dot com. Really easy, really simple, and it's also going to be in the show notes, <laughs> so you. people can check it out. Uh, I also put some of your books, so they can also check them out. It has been a pleasure having you on the show, Bob. Thank you so oh, much. The pleasure's mine. Thank you so much for having me. Okay. Bye. That was today's episode. Tune in daily. Rate, like, subscribe, and share, please. Oh. You can find further info and materials in the show notes on techyleadership.com, including links to the guest book recommendations.